Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast that used to be known as the Hurricane Runner off the Top Rope Podcast that used to be known as Video Gamers Pro Wrestling Podcast and who knows what else. There's been an abundance of names and obviously we've been away for a long time but as I promised on social media, we're actually back. We're actually back to start talking about pro wrestling once a week. Now we, we will get into that in due course but before we do that I think it's only fair that we kind of speak on some of the things that have happened recently, namely, where the hell the podcast disappeared to recently. Now, as some of you may know and some of you may not know, I used to, and still do, do a lot of work for videogamer.com, and one of the uh, deals I have, for lack of a better term, when I left them a few months ago to come out and do stuff like this was that I could use their office, and we don't need to get into the specifics, but they're very good about it. Now, recently, you may have seen on social media and the like that videogamer.com actually were bought, so they closed down their Croydon office, and they've all moved to London, which is good. I'm still going to be doing stuff with them. But it did mean I had to set up my own home studio, which is very, very difficult. Even more difficult when you get told that you have to leave your flat in a very short period of time. The two together is, well, it kind of kicks your ass. So I kind of had to put everything on hold. Obviously, I was still doing work, so I need to make money. But my personal projects and, you know, the stuff that... I use the, my Patreon cash for, and I just, if you want to support any of this, and there are some new Patreon rewards just at patreon.com forward slash SimonMiller316. Uh, if you just want to visit there and you visited there before you haven't, as you can see, you know there's more stuff you can do through that now. I'm trying to give people what I think they want. Give me feedback if I'm wrong. Um, but the closest milestone that I'd like to hit is that if we can get back to the $500 mark, and we're only a few dollars away from that, uh, I will start doing a fortnightly video game podcast as well, which will be a lot like this, where I just speak on the issues at hand. So, Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast is now going to be weekly. I'm not sure by the time this one goes live if I'm going to have all my bells and whistles that I've ordered, but you're going to hear that, you know, I'm actually finally putting some money into this to try and make it a bit more special and a bit more exciting. If you'd like the similar kind of thing fortnightly, for a video game one, like I say, patreon.com forward slash SimonMiller316. Check it out. If not, doesn't matter. Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast will now be live every Wednesday. Wednesday makes the most sense because if it's a pay-per-view week, it means I've seen the pay-per-view in Raw and SmackDown. And if I haven't, I've seen Raw and SmackDown. So we can talk about it all. Now, the reason, I mean, I still actually haven't sorted all my stuff out yet. I'm moving this weekend. Now it's just become Simon Miller's life podcast. But, you know, I, I don't want anyone. I got a lot of tweets at Simon Miller 316 just like asking me if I was dead, asking me if I couldn't keep a schedule. So I thought, well, it's only fair that I let these people know there is a reason for me just for just vanishing. And I'm hoping that technically this should sound OK, but not everything is set up properly yet. So, again, teething issues, but we'll get there. But I thought, look, you got to do one this week. Because we're coming out the back of WrestleMania 33. The biggest time in the pro wrestling calendar, even if you're not a WWE fan. It's when, you know, the series kind of stops and starts again. If you want to look at Raw as a TV series. So what we're going to do in this episode is simple. And I will actually tell you something else in a second. But we're going to run down WrestleMania and Raw and SmackDown. And my other point is this. As I've had to move away from the delightful Croydon, obviously my main man Chris Fox can't join me as much as he used to do, but we are going to get him on every now and then. So what I'm going to do, because you don't want to hear me waffle on for 40 minutes to an hour every week, or if you do, thank you very much. And you are going to get that, but I have started putting the wheels in motion that hopefully we are going to have uh, somewhat of a guest on more often than not. And obviously that will be people associated with the wrestling landscape, I often, or often, occasionally get 
the chance to interview WWE guys, and I will definitely make sure I get five to ten minutes with them. So hopefully we can do that. We can discuss the week in wrestling. We can discuss whatever you want to discuss. Every now and then we'll do a Q&A, and also we'll have some interviews with wrestlers. And who doesn't want interviews with wrestlers? Everybody wants that. It's what keeps us going. So I think that covers everything. I may have forgotten something, but that's okay. Like I say, I know it's a Thursday today, but every Wednesday, every Wednesday, I'll try and get it up at a reasonable time, but it will just go up on a Wednesday. It's the same feed. Uh, hopefully iTunes will update that soon, but it is the same feed as Hurricanrana off the top rope. I just thought, you know what? It's easier to promote this if I call it Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast, because then it does exactly what it says on the tin, which is kind of what you want from a podcast. You don't want to be confused. But anyway... We are about a few days removed from WrestleMania 33. The problem with the Raw and SmackDown that happened after WrestleMania 33 is they really do take away from the spectacle and the event of WrestleMania itself because so much happens on those shows and we get so much with the fans and all that kind of stuff that, you know, even a few days on, it just feels like so much has happened. It doesn't even feel like it's been four days since WrestleMania. It feels like it's been weeks, which is ridiculous because it really wasn't. I did a video for whatculture.com, and again, if you don't know, I do a lot of videos for there. I did their ups and downs, which is basically their review series for WrestleMania 33, and I tried to be more balanced with it just because I do think there were issues with it, the major one being the length of the show. If you could have cut an hour, if not more, really, maybe 90 minutes off that show, I think what was there was great, but I do also think you have to take into account how you felt by the end of it, and I think with anything like this, I felt fatigued. <laughs> I felt absolutely worn out on wrestling, despite the highs. And there weren't that, if you actually sort of take a step back and look through it, there weren't that many lows. Like, there weren't too many occasions where you're like, well, no, there was one. There was one really bad, actually, that I thought didn't live up to expectations and just went off the rails entirely. But more or less, you know, it was decent matches. It had the surprises that you want had an amazing finish where, you know, you'll always remember where you were when that happened. And it had one match, which I believe exceeded expectations generally, even though I knew it was going to be good. So when you look at it like that, it was a really good WrestleMania. Like it wasn't like, I think last year's WrestleMania was a lot worse than this one in the sense it was overly long and it didn't really have that standout moment. I mean, the standout moment was meant to be Shane McMahon jumping off the hell in the cell. And that was great. And it's something we'll talk about for ages and you'll show your mates on YouTube or the WWE Network. But because that match was overly long in itself and because, you know, seeing Shane McMahon deliver offense to The Undertaker was always going to be a little hard to swallow. That, I'm trying to think if anything did happen. Like the ladder match was good last year. Let's not talk about WrestleMania 32 too much. My point being that is, I think 33 was a lot better. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through the card. I know you know the results and you've all had this conversation over and over again. And what we'll do most weeks is it'll be a more general chat about wrestling and the news. But the news this week is that it was WrestleMania. So you can't get away from it. But I thought just to try and poke the bear a little bit, I do enjoy poking the bear. I'm going to give ratings for all the matches. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't, you know, I am training to be a pro wrestler, but I don't think that gives me the right to review other people's wrestling matches. But I know people like that. They like it with video games and all that kind of stuff. So you thought, you know what? I'm going to go with the five rating. I don't really know what the five rating means or what numbers should be equated to a good match. This is mostly done to try and spark debate. And if you do want a good debate about pro wrestling, you can go to our Facebook group, which I now presume you search for in Facebook as Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. That should have updated. So search for that. Join the group. It's a closed group. I'll approve you. And just share new stories with, you know, 
fellow like-minded wrestling fans or do whatever it is you want to do. So obviously WrestleMania started off with Neville versus Aries and that upset me straight away because there were inklings a few months ago and who knows how true any of this is that the Cruiserweight division 205 Live wasn't doing great network numbers. And that's fine. It's an early show. There are teething problems as much as I have with my studio and you've got to let that stuff build. But if you then put your championship on the pre-show, and I know a lot of people watch the pre-show because it's on YouTube and I think it's the network as well. Maybe it's not. But, you know, it's, it's more readily available, I think you could say, especially if it's on YouTube because everybody uses YouTube. But it's, uh, it's a, the stigma the pre-show has because fans are still filing into the building. You haven't had your big intro package. They haven't sung America the Beautiful. You know that's when WrestleMania starts. So anything that gets put on the pre-show you kind of get a feeling that WWE doesn't deem it to be the most important thing in the world. And if you want people to tune into 205 Live, they've really helped themselves with Austin Aries and Neville because they feel like superstars. They feel like big deals. But if the championship they're going after doesn't equate to that same weight, then you've still got a problem. And because they're such good workers, I'm surprised they thought they'd open the show with this. It'd be fine if they'd open the WrestleMania card, but just on the pre-show, meh. He seemed a little disappointing. They did have a good match. Like I say, both are tremendous. Neville as a heel, I think, is wonderful. Like, even when his promos aren't... And his promos more or less are good, but even when he doesn't have the, one of his better promos, it's his facial expressions. The man has got facial expressions down to a T. And I, I read something on Squared Circle on Reddit the other day where someone said he just glared at them for a while, and it was awesome. And I bet it was, because he knows what he's doing. Uh, they had about they had a, a fair time. I think somebody said 19 minutes on another podcast I was listening to. So they had a good chunk of time. They did have to fight with the sun being in their eyes, you could tell. But it was a solid match. I'm glad Neville won. You know, I think now you can continue that feud on with Aries and Neville for some time uh, with the face chasing the heel. That works. There's no need to take him off from here, especially if it was on the pre-show. doesn't give Aries his moment at all. Um, and it was kind of maybe not as good as I thought they could do, but I think given the circumstances and the parameters they had, it was spot on. So I've wrote down here, three out of five. <laughs> so literally there, so you can debate that wherever you'd like to debate that. And I am going to start putting these up on YouTube again, which is just youtube.com forward slash C forward slash the Miller Report Rules, which is my little YouTube channel, which you can go and subscribe to. Um, the plan is to put them up day and date with uh, the podcast going out. And like I said, there's going to be a schedule up there soon as well, which you'll be able to see. Which led us on to the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I got no problem with the armbar each and every year. Do whatever it is you want to do. But it's just some of the strange booking decisions they have really upset me. Why was Braun Strowman in this match in any sense if he's just going to get thrown out? He was probably one of your hottest stars a couple of months ago. And then, you know, him losing to Roman Reigns at payback didn't really affect him too much. Well, I didn't think so anyway. I wanted him to win, and I certainly didn't want him to lose clean, but I thought easily revived. And it did revive him, you know. He was involved in, in the Undertaker of Roman Reigns' story, really. But then why put him... I understand that everybody in the Battle Raw had to throw him out as well, but why did he have to be in it? Aside from we've got to get everybody on the card. No, you don't. Samoa Joe wasn't on the card. Finn Balor wasn't on the card. There was enough reason not to put them in it. And to me, putting Strowman in it, who's supposed to... There was one point where it looked to me like he was going to throw everyone off and just chuck everybody out. And I thought, you know what? While that sucks for everybody else in this match, if you're going with Strowman, yeah, go with Strowman. But nah, he just got thrown out. And also, I had no problem with Mojo Raleigh winning either. I know we probably won't touch on it when we get to SmackDown. But I thought the promo he gave on SmackDown was really good. He turned the hype down a bit. 
I think there's something there. And now, especially because you have lit a slight fire under him, make sure you go with it. That I can handle the Braun Strowman thing, even though he didn't have to be in it and Rawley still could have win. If they now try and turn Mojo into some sort of a star, you don't have to make him world champ or anything like that, but give him more time on TV, maybe try out this more, or this karma character for a while and see how that works. But I mean, Big Show won it. And even when Big Show won it last year or two years ago, whenever it was, it didn't really come across like it meant anything. When Cesaro won, it did. But that petered out after a few months. And I guess Baron Corbin did it. Oh, it's Big Show two years ago. I guess Baron Corbin winning it last year was his arrival on the main roster. And he's done okay. But that does, of course, lead us to Dean Ambrose versus Baron Corbin, which was, I mean, the match was okay. Oh, the armbar I gave two out of five to, by the way, for the arguing. And I gave two out of five to Corbin versus versus Ambrose. My biggest problem with it is that it's just feel, everything feels like an afterthought. The Intercontinental title being on the line feels like an afterthought. The match feels like an afterthought. The feud feels like an afterthought. I, it's just you're fighting with forklifts. And sometimes I just get a bit upset that we're not just focusing on titles. I understand that you want stories around that, and that's fine. But putting this on the pre-show, which again negates it as it did the Cruiserweight Championship... And then just having what was a pretty stock SmackDown match on WrestleMania with two guys who I think have huge potential, Dean Ambrose especially. Well, actually, technically, he's he's already proven he can reach his potential, but doesn't really get the breaks that he needs. Whereas Brown, you know, Baron Corbin still has all that potential, so he needs that momentum. I, it just felt so such a waste of everybody involved. And again, the IC title doesn't feel like anything. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get. I, this really did feel like the people in charge of it just don't care. And I want I want people to care. Caring is good. You know, you don't, you don't want someone not to care about you. That sucks. You want to be cared about. So, I mean, there's nothing else that we can even say. Even their hardcore match or street fight they had on SmackDown a few days later was... I like the ending. I enjoyed Baron Corbin chucking the chair at Dean Ambrose and him winning. But it's like, who, are we really invested in this? I'm not sure that we are. And that led on to the main show itself where things get serious. You know things get serious because everything changes. All of a sudden, you just the emphasis the emphasis switch gets turned on. And I think it was actually quite a good idea to start with Shane McMahon versus AJ Styles. I know a lot of people were down on this. They didn't think that Shane McMahon was the right opponent for an AJ Styles. But I look at it differently just because, as he did, if you can get a good match out of Shane McMahon and your team with a McMahon, your stock's going to go up. You know, you're probably going to extend your longevity because he's always going to have your back. Maybe not in terms of a storyline career move, it was good, but as in a real career move, I think this was solid for AJ. You know, AJ Styles of all people, if I had told you two years ago, AJ Styles is going to walk into the WWE and his second WrestleMania, he's going to have a match with Shane McMahon, especially back then, two years ago, you would have thought I was insane. And you probably, I bet some people would have been like, oh, that sounds great. Wow, what like a fantasy booking world we're living in. And now it happened, everyone was down on it. thought it was decent. I was glad Shane McMahon didn't jump off anything because, you know, he's a late 40-year-old man with a family. He had a family. And you're kind of like, please, please stop jumping off stuff. And I thought the way they worked in the Shooting Star Press was really good because he is a non-wrestler who's in his late 40s. So him even attempting to do a Shooting Star Press is very impressive. So I like that. I thought all of that was good. And I just I just think it's proof that Shane McMahon can get a good match out of anybody, regardless who they are or what they do. AJ Styles can look at you, look look you up and down and go, right, I know, I know what I have to do 
to make this work. And he did. And he's without a doubt the best wrestler in the company. He's probably the best wrestler in the world. It does look like he's going to go to Raw in the uh, the, the superstar shakeup. And that's probably for the best. I mean, unless he's going to stay heel, then I'd like to see him feud with Nakamura. But maybe that's something you want to build up to as opposed to pull the trigger on straight away. Maybe next year's WrestleMania. WrestleMania 34, Reigns versus Lesnar in the main event. Nakamura versus AJ Styles underneath that. That's not too shabby, my friend. But I'm giving it a four. A four out of five for no reason whatsoever. Which got us to Owens versus Jericho. Now, this was arguably the best feud in terms of the program itself leading into this event that we had. Obviously, it been going for close to nine months, I think. And especially the, the Festival of Friendship, all of that stuff was just great. And the arrival of the list of Jericho, you know, all the little things they managed to achieve from when they start was just, was just fantastic. Like it was, it, the whole thing was great, which is why I was a bit surprised. I thought it was a good match. I thought it was solid and I enjoyed it. But it, I don't know... It, I don't know what it was. Maybe the fact it was coming off the opener of Shane versus AJ, which was very well received. I think I think after sort of, you know, about halfway through the match, I thought it really picked up and everything with Kevin Owens' finger on the rope was great. I thought that was, you know, that was, um, that was top stuff. But I don't know. Something didn't quite click here for me and I don't know what it was. But I was, I did enjoy it. And I was very impressed with Chris Jericho. He's 46 years old and he was jumping and leaping around like he was 10 years younger minimum. I gotta get on DDP yoga. Like if that's what it does, I think Jericho can probably squat and bend over better than I can. And I'm a broken mess. I need to do DDP yoga. But yeah, I was impressed with, with Jericho. The match was good. I was glad Owens won. Finish came a bit out of nowhere after a powerball on the apron outside. It does actually look like we're getting the rematch at payback. I thought the angle on Raw was writing Jericho off, but apparently not, especially because he's on the poster. I just hope if Owens wins that and then puts Jericho out for ages, I'm happy for this feud to go on for quite a while. Like, I'd be happy for it to go Owens win, Owens win, Jericho goes away, and then comes back and wins. So Owens still has the upper hand, but Jer Jericho still got his revenge. That works for me. Or maybe he doesn't win at all. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it was a f I gave it three out of five. Who knows why? But yeah, it wasn't exactly what I was hoping, but still enjoyed it. And I think you could probably say the same for Bailey, Charlotte, Nia versus Sasha. My problem with this has always been that I just think when you get to WrestleMania, I get it. That I, that's like we said before. The whole point with that is we got to get everybody on the card. And that's nice because you get a big fat paycheck, if nothing else. But more focused feuds would have been better here. And what definitely would have been better here is if this had been the moment where Bailey had won the championship and where Charlotte had her first loss on pay-per-view. That would have made all of this mean so much more and given all of this so much gravitas and weight. So I'm surprised. I don't know what the point of doing it six weeks or a month earlier was, but they did. I don't know. I don't know. It, you know, the way they treated Nia Jax was good. She's meant to be a monster, so everybody teams up on her. And they kind of just got rid of Sasha on a whim. And then, you know, Bailey, you know, Bailey had a good showing here and she retained her championship. And I think there's a small chance Charlotte may go to SmackDown after everything that happened on Raw with Nia Jax and obviously the shakeup we've got coming. I think putting Charlotte on... Because what heels do you have on... Who are your top heels on SmackDown? Alexa Bliss. And then my brain, my brain goes blank. There must be someone. Carmella's basically a heel, but she's not a top heel. Who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting someone. Natalia, but she's a terrible heel. I think Charlotte moving over to SmackDown right now, who would she get into a feud with? Well, with Naomi over the SmackDown's Women's Championship. I think that'd be really good. I'd, and I, you know, as sad as it would be not to see Charlotte on Raw, I think that freshens things up. And I think that the women's SmackDown division needs a big name. 
and I think it's better to send a heel over there. And Nia Jax is not that person. So I'd put Charlotte there. I gave this two out of five. I can't remember if I said that. It just, it lacked focus. And when we did get down to the last two, Bailey versus Charlotte, I do think it came alive. And I think if we had done that from the beginning and that is the match and Bailey got a win and Charlotte got her first loss on pay-per-view, I think that would have, it would have been a WrestleMania moment, as they say. Next on the card was the ladder match. Now, the ladder match itself was fine. It was a decent ladder match. The bump that Jeff Hardy took was incredible. Everyone worked it well, but it was quite short. But I think it benefited from being quite short. The, the real joy here was the Hardy boys coming back. Even when the New Day came out and everyone was going, delete, delete, I thought, oh, it's going to I don't know that was the tease, but just knowing how WWE works, it's like, oh, the New Day are going to put them in the match. They're going to get booed out of the building. And I'll be upset because I don't want to see the New Day in a match. I actually thought they were fine throughout WrestleMania. But there's nothing to that. Like seeing the New Day go into a ladder match with teams that they fought a thousand times before isn't, there's nothing exciting about that. But getting to hear that reaction to two guys who have gone out there over the last few years and really just proven that they're more than flashes in the pan, which they never were, but you know what I mean? That they're more than what they were 10 years ago. And to get that kind of reaction, because that reaction was, it was twofold. It was the nostalgia reaction of, oh man, the Hardy Boys are back. And then of course, as was evidently obvious, the reaction of it's the broken universe here in WWE and we love the broken universe and we want to support that. And it was really, I really did get quite emotional with it. It just felt like it was right. It was right to see the Hardy boys in WWE again. They did such a good job. I'm glad they won the titles. It means the expedition of gold is complete. They won all the titles. I could have gone to New Japan and won those, I guess, but still what a feat to say you were able to, you started this in impact, you won them. You won the Ring of Honor belt and you won the WWE titles. You did it. You expeded your gold. And yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do with them because you can get a nostalgia run out of them. I know the broken stuff has to be sorted out by Anthem and Matt Hardy's kind of been half and half and he'll probably segue more into being Matt Hardy than being broken Matt Hardy for now. But that's all right because once the nostalgia and the momentum runs out, you can then switch to... Broken Matt Hardy, you can tell that story again. It's still fun for people like us because we'll know what com what's coming so we'll feel like we're a part of it. Plus, it'd be interesting to see you know, what that's like with a different director pulling the strings. Like We've seen the impact direction. How will WWE deal with that? May not be as good. Absolutely may not be as good, but it may be. We don't know. And allowing the more casual fan to understand what the hell happened to Matt Hardy as opposed to just presenting that character and expecting them to get it. It just makes more sense. And also, it allows him to have a much longer career. So you get a year out of a nostalgia run if you're lucky. As soon as you feel that momentum and drive dying, that's when you pull the trigger. You can even split them up. Send Jeff to SmackDown, Matt to Raw, or vice versa. We know that WWE thinks Jeff Hardy is a star. He's been a world champion in top programs. So they can easily light that up again. But this time, as you always should have done in the past, you can do that with Matt as well. He can become broken Matt Hardy within the WWE. Tell a different story. For all I care, as long as he get back to that character, it, I just think it would it would just feel wonderful. It would just be really exciting. Yeah, I, I loved all of this. I mean, I gave the ladder match three out of five just because I thought it was solid, but everything around it is a 10 out of 10. So good. What WrestleMania is all about. Originally, I thought it'd be better if they returned on the Raw after Mania. Absolutely not. This was the right way to do it. Well, it's probably, I mean, I seem to be in the minority with this. I did not enjoy the Mrs. versus the Cenas. I enjoyed the build and I enjoyed all the total bullshit segments. But, I mean, the match itself was ridiculous because John and Nikki just ran over Miz and Marie so bad. Luckily, the Miz is such a good talker and his character so over it won't hurt him at all. And then the proposal at the end, while I do believe, I mean, obviously it was 
arranged and fixed. They, they did seem to be some genuine emotion there. Maybe it's just because it's John Cena and Nikki Bella. And I do like John Cena, but I didn't really... I wouldn't say I was entertained by it. Would be, would be the short story. And I thought the story John Cena told was well creepy. When you were comatose, I asked you questions and then bullied you with the answer for 18 months. Cheers, John. Cheers. You're a lovely, lovely boyfriend. Thanks for teasing me about marriage for so long. And then even when you changed your mind, continuing to tease me. But it was what it was. It got loads of mainstream coverage. I'm sure that's what WWE wanted. They achieved it. It was fine. Two out of five for no reason whatsoever. Again, another match that I... I mean, Seth versus Triple H was... It was too long. I think we can all agree with that. It probably could have benefited from being eight or so minutes shorter. But it was very good. I think the problem was is that Seth and Triple H had a very specific idea of what they wanted to do and they weren't prepared to change that regardless, you know, what the crowd did. I wouldn't necessarily say that hurt it massively, but it did lose them in the middle, but they did get them towards the end. I actually didn't like Triple H's entrance and I usually love Triple H's entrances. I just thought it was a bit too much. Like, why, why, where did the bike come from? Why did he sit so long on the bike? Why was Stephanie on the bike? Why were the police with him? And then Seth Rollins just came out with the torch. I was like, well, that's not as cool as the other guys. Although I did enjoy it. A lot of people said they didn't get it. I enjoyed the, you know, setting fire to the ring. It's the king slayer. Setting the king on fire. That's what people used to do in the medieval times. You overthrow the king, you tie him to a bit of wood, and you set him on fire. So I thought that was good. Match was fine. Given that Seth, you know, has had a knee injury and a fever. What a hero. I mean, what, what a damn hero. Most people don't go to work because they've got a sore throat. I get WrestleMania is a bit different in front of, well, a fake 75,000 people. But still, that's an impressive that's an impressive display. And, you know, it was the right finish. Stephanie Mann went through a table, so that writes her off TV for a while, which was probably needed because her character was getting a bit much. You know, Seth Rollins won with a pedigree, which is... It's what you want to see. The move that his mentor talked to him, used against him. I, you know, I'm not sure it sent Seth into the stratosphere as they were hoping. But as long as they can build on that over the next few weeks, I'm sure it will be It will be a benefit to him. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. It was fine. It was fine. Maybe not the match they wanted to have. Which can also be said for the next one. Now, this is what I was referring to earlier. This was my disappointment of the whole night. I genuinely thought this was just bad. And that's Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton. I mean, so Bray, Bray Wyatt now has production magic powers, does he? And he can cast a magic projector on the screen that has bugs on it. I just, I just don't get it. I love the hokey pokiness in wrestling. I love it. I think it's ridiculous. The Undertaker Kane stuff, awesome. But for whatever reason, this just feels too silly to me. It feels too ridiculous. I just think it takes Bray Wyatt well in the wrong direction. And the match just finished. I get it's supposed to be an RK out of nowhere. But this really was out of nowhere. There was no build. And the crowd were a bit stunned by it, like, oh, okay, Randy Orton's champion now, right. Also, Bray Wyatt's record, Bray Wyatt never wins any feud he's in. That's the problem we're getting to now. People compare him to The Undertaker in terms of doesn't need the title. Undertaker never lost. That's what people forgot about. It wasn't until the mid-90s when he got put into his feud with Mankind that he started to lose. And by that point, it was almost John Cena syndrome where everyone agreed, yeah, okay, we have to have a more vulnerable side to Undertaker now to grow and give that character an extra edge. And that's what they did. And that's probably where he got his longevity from. Bray Wyatt won his title in Elimination Chamber match. So it, was a no, it wasn't a feud with anybody. You could argue it was a numbers game. And then all other... Give me a feud that he's won. 
Jericho, he lost. Cena, he lost. Randy Orton, he's now losing. Who else has he feuded with? Daniel Bryan, he lost that. I just think long-term, it's not going to do anything for him, especially on SmackDown, where you just put him back with Eric Rowan just so that Eric Rowan can take the losses. Bray Wyatt is still on the losing team. The Wyatt family at this point do not scare me at all. I feel like I could beat the Wyatt family. They're not a threat. They're not a threat in, in, in any, any regard. And there was no real reaction to Randy winning this. I don't know. I, I just... I just it was a disappointment. It was To me, it was a disappointment. I think, given it was a world title match, did we need all the... Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maggots on a screen. Maggots on a projector screen. Like you're in school and somebody got the overhead projector and, you know, changed what the teacher wanted to, to project. <laughs> Just think it's... I don't know. It, it wasn't for me. And I love all that nonsense. That's my favorite stuff. But for whatever reason, it just it, it didn't get me. What did get me, though, I gave it one out of five, by the way, Orton Wyatt. That's the one you can argue about. One out of five. Unbelievable. My opinion should be shot. I thought Brock Lesnar versus Bill Goldberg was perfect. Everything that I wanted them to do or hoped, you know, hoped they would do, I, it was just, it was just awesome. It was just awesome. Like, and some of the camera work was great. Like after Brock Lesnar had suplexed Goldberg for a while, and then he kind of, the camera sort of cut off half the ring so Goldberg could come out of nowhere and spear him. Then the spear through the barricade and those are suplexes. And they just beat the crap out of each other. And then an F5 after this brawl and Lesnar won. I think it was four and a half minutes overall. The Undertaker's entrance was longer than Brock versus Goldberg. But what does length of time matter if you enjoy what you're seeing? And I can't think of anything else. What else could they have done that you would have wanted to see in terms of what you were expecting or what you were hoping from this match? I don't. I think they ticked every box. I genuinely loved every second of this. I think they both deserve... It goes to show Goldberg knows. When, when you book Goldberg right, he's so much fun, it's ridiculous. And he, he got the shape he got himself into for a 50-year-old man certainly helped because it gave him that imposing factor that he used to have. But yeah, and I swear as well, has anyone... I know... I'm pretty sure that's the first time Goldberg's ever lost clean. And the commentators dropped the ball on that one because they didn't push that hard at all. But has anyone even ever kicked out of the jackhammer? I don't think they have. We really should have pushed that more. That was a shame. But, you know, th that's nitpicking. Because ultimately, this is the best. I think this is my favorite match on the whole court. It must have been. I gave it four out of five. I sat in my chair screaming like an absolute buffoon. So good. I love Brock Lesnar. I love Goldberg. I hope he does come back for more matches. I don't really know who you could put him against now. It was such a perfect comeback. Maybe it is best to leave it. But either way, just, just love it. I love, I love, in the words of King Ross from What Culture, you should go check his stuff out. It's really good. I love big sweaty men fighting each other. It's just great, especially in a WWE world where you don't get that anymore. Like it's more, I don't call people, they're not small men, but not the giants that we're used to. And now the giants feel fresh and exciting. We've gone full circle, but that's good. Because you can give me those giants. You can give me Lesnar. Give me Strowman. Who else have they got? I don't know. Loads of big guys. Not Big Cass. He's a different kind of big guy. But you know what I mean. The, the, man, the man mountains. They're fantastic. Which uh, wasn't fantastic. It was a SmackDown women's match. I mean, it, it suffered from no time and where it was. It was put on the card there to calm the fans down and give them a break. And that's a real shame. Because if you're put in that death spot, you, you know, again, it's like the Cruiserweight title being on the pre-show you kind of know you kind of know what the deal is they did what they could it was fine Naomi won the title 
Okay. What can you even say about it? It was fine. What did I give it? I can't remember. What did it say? Two out of five. I got written down here. That'll do. Which obviously leads us to our main event. Roman Reigns versus The Undertaker. It was quite clear something was up when A, it was the main event and not a title match. Roman Reigns now headline three successive WrestleManias. <laughs> and the fact that Jim Ross was calling it. You know, it was... There are a lot of signs in place that WWE was going to do something. And of course, it did lead to The Undertaker's retirement. It didn't really hit me until 24 hours later when I thought, Sugar, I have grown up with The Undertaker. Like, whatever I, whatever was the first wrestling program or piece of content that I ever indulged, he would have been attached to it in some fashion. He may not have been on the show, but he was in that universe. Ugh, I use that term. And now here we are. You know, when was that? I was probably about... I mean, yeah, it's 27 years later or whatever. And that's it. He's hung up his boots. And when you think of it like that, and I know he went away from time to time and he changed his character and all of that. But that's a big deal to be able to have that kind of longevity and then go out on your back at WrestleMania. I thought the match itself wasn't that great. I don't know why. I'm not saying it's because the Undertaker can't go anymore. I don't know that for a fact. So I'm not going to speculate, but it didn't really work. It could have been because it was the open stage, but... I mean, in hindsight, they probably weren't even going for this, but I thought there were ways and means to try and turn this in, turn Roman Reigns into a super heel. I mean, he's a super heel, but you know what I mean, a purposeful super heel. They didn't really go with that, and that felt like a wasted opportunity for me if Undertaker really is going. Because I don't see how you get someone you want to portray as a face coming out every week saying, I beat The Undertaker. Now, sure, Roman Reigns did that on Raw. The opening segment to Raw was great, where he stood there for like 15 minutes and just got booed, and then simply said, this is my yard now. I mean, that's fantastic, and he was the biggest heel ever. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see him going around the country or internationally, even in territories where he, he is booed, and ramming the fact that he retired The Undertaker down our throat because I don't think he's meant to be a heel. I could be wrong. I hope I am wrong. But if that is the case, I don't think you're getting maximum mileage out of this. So if the call is made, right, this is Taker's last match, long term, we, want, we still want Reigns to be our guy... To me, after everything you know and the evidence you've got, it seems a little short-sighted not to have that be the direction that Reigns goes in. But I don't think it will be. I think in six weeks, if he ever does talk about it, and I imagine he won't, it will be done in a respectful way. And I don't, who does that benefit? Because the smart fans aren't going to like it. The casual fans, I mean, I guess they're cheering Roman anyway. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I get that probably Undertaker wanted to go out on his back. You know, and the whole laying all his sort of gimmick clothes in the ring was... It's just wonderful. Like the whole thing, it was a great send-off. It, it really kind of, you know, it hit, the, hit your emotional cord and just made you think, yeah, Undertaker, you're... You know, you're, you, were, you were really special. Arguably, you know, I'm stealing this term from, from the Jim Ross podcast, but given whatever, you know, depending on what your parameters are for a pro wrestler, arguably the greatest pro wrestler of all time. There is an argument for that. Probably, definitely, the probably definitely the biggest, the best big man of all time. I mean, who comes close? I like Kane, but I mean, Kane was never the Undertaker. And even Andre the Giant in his prime, I don't think was as good as, as the Undertaker was. So yeah, I mean, as a main event, it didn't really... But then again, they were struggling. They always had an uphill battle. Because we were in hour five <laughs> when this wrapped up. The Undertaker's retirement is always going to spark an emotional response. I don't feel like the match did the same. And I think in your main event at WrestleMania, that's what you want. And that's kind of two years on the trot now we've had that. I thought 31 was good when Roman Reigns took on Lesnar. Obviously, 30 was great. 
And then 29 was The Rock versus John Cena, and that still had certain magic to it. So I would argue the last two years, it's lost that a bit. And then next year, apparently, it's Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, where Roman Reigns will get his proper coronation. I mean, 12 months is a long time. You can do anything in that period. I don't know. We'll see. But I did enjoy it. I thought WrestleMania was a good show. I, you know, I stayed up and watched a bit. I went to bed, got up early, watched the rest. I was excited the whole time. I enjoyed NXT. I enjoyed the Hall of Fame. Even the long speeches, I like it. Put it on the background, just get on with stuff. I love that weekend and the fallout after it as well. There was nothing really bad on it. And even when there is, it doesn't matter. The hype around WrestleMania is always enough. If it doesn't live up to expectation, that's why these things exist. So we all come and moan about it. But I liked it. I thought it was a good show. Uh, and I thought the raw coming out of it was just fantastic. Again, that opening segment with Roman was, oh, it made me desperate for him to be a heel. I mean, he's not going to be, but I really, really want him to be. I, I don't know whether he just had, you know, the right timing or he was told to watch the cameraman for signals, but I loved it. I mean, you could argue that it was too long, given that it was almost 15 minutes, but it was different. You know, we, we see 15 minute promos. This was 15 minutes of the crowd. And I understand these shows are for the crowd to take over, but I don't know. It just felt different. It felt special. And Roman felt like a... I love Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns brings the fun back to pro wrestling because wrestling's a pantomime. And this allowed Roman Reigns just to get booed out of the building. He smirked. He had his... Ah, oh, just... I love it. I love this Roman Reigns character. It, it just embrace embrace the hate. <laughs> just embrace it because it's so good. But yeah, it was a great segment. And that... The, uh, excuse me. That led into the Harley boys coming out and beating Enzo and Cass. Not Enzo and Cass, Gallows and Anderson for the uh, well, retaining their belts against Gallows and Anderson. That was great too because, you know, just seeing the Harley boys back on Raw, still surreal. And I think we've got at least six to eight weeks before that gets, you know, you get used to them being on it. And then you get longer still with their nostalgia run. So that was good. The Revival turning up, awesome. You know, they're a tag team. The Raw tag team division now is really stacked. Like the Hardy boys, Enzo and Big Cass, who... While I'm not a massive fan of their in-ring work, they're over. And anytime a team is over, that instantly makes it more fun. Uh, Gallows and Anderson are good. Gallows and Anderson unfortunately suffered because the Hardy Boys are so over and they're not as over that they were always going to feel a bit like afterthoughts. And that is a shame, but they're still an awesome team. Sheamus and Cesaro have come into their own. The Revival like brings something different entirely. We've seen the matches they were able to have in NXT. They'll be able to have those matches with anybody on that Raw roster. I think the New Day are going to be traded to SmackDown because that tag team needs an injection. And you wouldn't even have to bring anybody over because you've still got a lot of tag teams on the Raw brand that you can eke out. But if you were, I hope they don't send American Alpha over. They need to stay on SmackDown and help bolster that division. Can't send the Usos over. They're the champions. Maybe you send a team like Heath Slater and Rhino, not the Vaude villains. Simon Gotch got released, if you don't know. Apparently, it just didn't work. Well, it was mutual, so that's good, as long as everybody's happy. But I can see the New Day leaving. But even then, the Raw tag team division right now is solid. Like, I think you'll get some great matches going forward. And I'm really excited to see the Hardys versus Sheamus Cesaro at Payback. I think that could be really good. I mean, I know it's kind of face versus face. I don't think it matters at this stage because they're all such solid in-ring performers that no matter what they do, I'll be intrigued to see how the program builds and what interaction they have. But um, yeah. Big fan of the tag team division on Raw. I hope they realize what they've got and continue to push it. And obviously, we saw Finn Balor return in the main event. It was fine. I think the big talking point is, should he have stood there with Seth Rollins at the end and had his hand raised by him, given that he was the guy who took him out, obviously? I mean, not intentionally. 
it wasn't part of the story, but it was then added into the story. And here we are, you know, nine, eight months later or whatever. And apparently I'm meant to believe that they're just friends. I mean, the truth of the matter is, since then, Seth Rollins has turned face. So you've got to do something. And if you want to take the heat that Seth Rollins would have got, put that on Kevin Owens, fine. It doesn't make any sense. But it would be nice if those kind of things were addressed. I know it was a bit by Michael Cole and the commentators, but I don't know. Does it really matter? Probably not. But I understand why people got to be in their bonnet about it and wanted to chat about. What annoyed me the most, while it was a great segment, we had the Brock Lesnar promo, which basically did set up Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at some point. Heyman made it perfectly clear that the whole point of what we have now is there's only, was it 22 men in 23 or 24? How many matches the Undertaker had? There's only two men that beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania, and that is Brock Lesnar, and that is Roman Reigns. So now we've got to find out who is the best person that beat The Undertaker. We'll do that at WrestleMania 34. Spoiler, I don't think it's going to be Brock Lesnar. But the best bit about it is the whole time I was watching this going, let Braun Strowman's music hit. Let Braun Strowman's music hit. And then it hit. And I thought, yes, this is what I want to see. I want to see Strowman versus Brock Lesnar. And this is a testament to WWE because a year ago, that match was rumored. And everybody, myself included, was like, I don't want to see that. That's going to be terrible. But WWE have done such a good job with Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman has improved so much that now you're like, I want to see two big dudes smashing each other. Not like that. We talked about that already earlier with Goldberg. If you can replace a Goldberg with a Strowman, absolutely do that. Absolutely. But for some reason, WWE have got it into their heads that Strowman should be the cowardly heel. And he should back off. Which is ridiculous. He's Braun, nobody wants to see Braun Strowman be a cowardly heel. You could have had that segment with them staring down and then fade to black and go to a video and then you come up when you're in your next segment. Okay, it's a bit of a cop-out. But why did Braun Strowman come out to confront Brock Lesnar if his plan was, I just turn around and go back now? That don't make no sense. Like, it <laughs> makes no sense. I understand it's there to plant a seed because apparently it's not going to happen at Payback. Apparently it will happen at some point in the future. Maybe whatever the May pay-per-view is. I don't know what that would be. But... I don't necessarily think that's the best use of Braun Strowman. I think he shouldn't be scared. I think he should get in Lesnar's face. Maybe referees come down to se you know separate them. Whatever. They don't have to touch. There's ways and means. But having him to come out just to back away is really stupid. I don't get it. I don't get it. But luckily, I love Brock Lesnar. I love Braun Strowman. So I'm sure they'll be fine with it. Uh, and then the SmackDown. The only two things I really think you need to talk to on SmackDown are the debuts. Uh, Ty Dillinger debuts against uh, Kurt Hawkins. You know, he did his open challenge. He said, count to 10, got to 10. Dillinger came out. Fine, worked. Crowd loved it. I hope they use him as opposed to Tyler Breeze. Although Tyler Breeze and Fandango are very funny, but you know what I mean? They're not used. They're not considered um, uh, important performers, unfortunately. I hope Ty Dillinger doesn't fall into that category. I hope they can do something with him. And obviously Nakamura's debut was just wonderful. I mean, I don't care if he's in a feud with The Miz or not. If he is, great. It's a feud he can win against a big name. If he's not because The Miz is coming to Raw and the Superstar Shakedown, fine. It was a good person to interrupt. His entrance is magic. The man is magic. He can easily become the biggest star in this company if he's used right. I'm so excited about to see what they can do with him. I like the fact he's on SmackDown too because you can make him a superstar and then move him on to Raw and make him an even bigger star because he obviously you know, has more viewers. But yeah, he's just... I think the best thing about Nakamura is even if you've never been caught up in his hype, all you needed to do was see that entrance and you know, this man's a star. If you don't want to go Google him and stuff, great. You're going to learn more. I really think with the right 
approach and right booking within six weeks, Nakamura can be a big guy. I mean, see, let's say the Miz does get moved to SmackDown. Who do you put him with? Because I think AJ goes well. And I think you want to hold off on that. You don't want that straight away because people want it too much. So I'm trying to think who is on the SmackDown roster that you want to see him go at. I should have thought about this before I started talking. I mean, obviously, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt's going on for a while. That also takes up Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. But then no one wants to see Nakamura versus Eric Rowan. They did do a dark match after SmackDown of Dolph Ziggler versus Nakamura. I don't really want to see that. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't really excite me. I don't know where he fits in. Maybe The Miz is a good place for him to fit in because who else is freed up at the moment? John Cena's gone to film his movies. And then you do, and Dean Ambrose and Baron Corbin are going to go out for a while. But even then, that's not, I don't really want to see those pairings. I'll be intrigued. Put Rusev on SmackDown. Rusev versus Nakamura. That's what I want to see. Even though he's injured, trade him in the superstar draft. Nakamura versus Rusev. Japan versus Bulgaria. Be well up for that. I thought SmackDown overall was a bit, but you know, it wasn't the best show. I didn't like what they did with the Wyatts. World title doesn't feel exciting. Uh, there was something else I didn't like. What the hell else didn't I like? Can't remember. But um, yeah, I, I thought Raw was the better show overall. SmackDown saved by Nakamura's debut, but it was so good. Everything else is negated anyway. I did like the AJ Styles, Shane stuff. AJ Styles is over as a face anyway, so you may as well treat him as a face. And I could understand the respect angle. You know, they had a falling out. They beat the crap out of each other. But through that fight, they became friends. Not friends. Respectful colleagues. That's fine. I got no problem with that. But, you know, given this was the first SmackDown Live after a WrestleMania, disappointing, I'd say. I still enjoyed it. And I think that's everything, really. Let I mean, while we're here, I literally... We'll literally load up a news, a wrestling news website in case something is broken in this last hour that we, I feel we should chat about. I doubt, I doubt that is the case, but it's worth looking. Uh, you know, in future we will get into stuff like if anything happens on NXT, or uh, we could talk Ring, Ring of Honor, we could talk Ring of Honor stuff, we could talk Impact. I haven't watched much Impact since it, since the uh, it rebuilt itself just because of time, but I will try and watch more of that. New Japan, I catch when I can. Definitely want to get into more British wrestling stuff. But I guess for now, the best thing to talk about is the superstar draft we've got coming up. As I've said, the rumor is AJ goes to Raw. The question is, if AJ does go to Raw, who do you send the other way? Because he's not, even though he's probably leaving as a face, you need a heel to fit, because he was there as, you know, the, the, he had a heel role. So I guess Rusev could go that way, but he's arguably not as big a heel as Styles is. So what other heels do you have? on Raw that you're going to send away. I don't think anybody in the main event of Raw, I don't think, Samoa Joe you could send? Maybe, maybe he just, that would explain why he didn't have a match at WrestleMania because he's meant to be on the SmackDown brand. I would say you could feud him with Nakamura, but we've only just seen that on NXT, so that's probably a bad idea. But you could switch that. Like I said, I definitely think it's a good day, a good idea to put the new down SmackDown live. You know, switching Charlotte and Alexa Bliss makes absolute sense. It's got the Drifter. The drifter from NXT lost a loser Lee's town match a couple of weeks ago, so he's got to come up. I'd probably put him on SmackDown. Well, you've got him and uh, I can never pronounce his name, Almas, blah, 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 Mr. Mexico. Uh, I call him Almas for now, and you have to forgive me that I can't pronounce his name properly. Just roll your eyes and say you're a terrible person. And I guess you put one of them on Raw and one of them on SmackDown. I don't know which round you do it. The drifter's interesting. Maybe you put the drifter on Raw. Almas is more of a, he's more of the worker. That's kind of where SmackDown shines so maybe you do that may other than that i think you wait till the draft in june i think you actually get the proper draft maybe you wait till then until you actually pull the trigger on it properly but that's what i do with my people from nxt anyway i think 
I don't think you bring anyone else. I tell you what's cool about NXT. Drew McIntyre's back. I loved seeing that. Like he was, he's been kicking ass with WCPW and all over Britain and Europe and in TNA. I just, I, the man is, he's got, he was, you know, he can be much more potential, but he can be much better used than he was in the WWE before. And let's not forget, three-man band are back. He slatters on SmackDown, Jinder Mahal's being well veiny on Raw, and now Drew McIntyre's on, on NXT, which means we're going to see that reunion soon, naturally. Anyway, we'll use that to round up We'll call this episode one, won't be episode one on the feed, but we'll call this episode one of Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. It was the big WrestleMania wrap-up. Just to wrap up all my news, yes, we're back every Wednesday. Could there be some weeks where it moves? Maybe, but you'll definitely get one a week. Even if I only get 20 minutes in, we'll get one a week. We'll get our wrestling fix. If you want to support any of this stuff, patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316. Check out the other rewards if you want this kind of stuff with other entertainment fields. I'm at Twitter at SimonMiller316, YouTube, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash The Miller Report Rules. Just, you know, hang out, chat wrestling. Let me know what you want. I am on the case now with interviews. We may not have one next week or even the week after that, but emails and telephone calls have been made. I'm hoping to get some interest back. And it's not necessarily going to be John Cena. Likely, we'll never get John Cena. But even if it's maybe some dude you're not 100% aware of, hopefully just, you know, being able to chat to them openly and candidly will allow us to, you know, just get a better insight into the worlds of pro wrestling. Quick plug from other stuff as well. What culture, video game, or PC games, and trusted reviews. All those stuff if you want to either read or hear from me about any kind of a nonsense. But I will apologize once again for the delay. Like I said, I'm moving this weekend. Everything's going to be set up. There shouldn't be any problems. There's always some problems. There shouldn't be too many. And we take it from there. We can see where we get to, and ultimately we can see where the world of pro wrestling goes now that WrestleMania 33 is out the window. It's done. If you loved it, great. If you didn't love it, great. Just remember it's pro wrestling. Be respectful to your fellow man or woman or child or monkey. Should be respectful for everybody. Chris Fox, our main man, will be back on from time to time. We are going to get some interviews. We are going to keep the review rate review rating for pay-per-view matches mostly because i'm hoping it winds people up i got no right to be able to cast cast those kinds of opinions and ideas but we're doing it we're doing it anyway one last time sorry for the delay thank you for listening to simon's pro wrestling podcast and we will be back next week hey.